1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
3: Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from a life, you know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+.
1: Kesha and the Creepies is a production
4: of iHeartRadio. My name
3: is Marco Kite and
4: uh, you're listening to Kasia and the Creepies uh, and the show investigates ghosts and mystery things all over the world where people see things that are scary so as far as I'm concerned I'd stay away from that bloody show because it's too scary and uh, there's got to be a monster coming right through the screen and kill somebody and Kasia won't even get and I'm going into something really else <laughs>
1: Welcome to Kesha and the Creepies. This week, our guest is Dana Carvey. Is
4: that the music?
1: And then you can, or you can sing.
4: Oh, um, Church Lady, uh, just because I just did her, uh, accidentally sings Just Like Neil Young, something I noticed years ago. Hi, everybody. This is the church lady. I'd like to do a little Neil Young cover for you. Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were.
1: You do sound just like Neil Young.
4: I love Neil Young. One night. I do, too. Oh, I know you do. And i he's, uh, you know, a genius. Uh,
1: Why'd you put it in parentheses?
4: People throw that word around, but for him, it's actually literal. <laughs> You're a genius. I'm a genius. No, actually, here's a real one.
1: No, he's a genius.
4: But he's funny. Did you meet him? Uh, yeah, many times back uh, during the SNL days. In fact, the night before I left to go visit the President of the United States, which one? George Bush Senior. Yeah, the Senior. I, my wife and I spent a couple, two, three days in the White House. But with Neil really being a fan and getting to hang out with him, we were at the party afterwards, just sitting around. He's having a little red wine. I'm having a beer, and uh, we're we're talking about. Um, Cortez the Killer and his guitar solo in that song, and I said it's it was Hendrix esque, you know. And uh, then he looked up and he said, The late great, he saw the late great Chris Farley at the party, yeah. And he pointed at him and said, That fat kid's funnier than shit, (laughs) isn't it great?
1: (laughs) He he was funnier than shit though. He's
4: right. He was. He was the greatest. I don't
1: even know where to begin with you. I just watched your Hulu show. What was that called?
4: The Dana Carvey show. That was kind of Robert Smigel and I were sort of resistant. It took Josh Greenbaum about a month to convince us. He came to some of my little open mics and then he wore us down and we finally really trusted him. And uh, he did a great job. You know, it was fun. It was fun to do. I'm
1: so sad. I was like eight or nine at the time of this show. So you had a show mm-hmm. after Home Improvement yeah. that was complete punk rock mayhem. Yeah, titty leaking, like head severing. But I can't find it anywhere. How do I watch it?
4: Um, I think the all the seasons are on Crackle. By the way, because I was somehow looking at Crackle. It's a what's Crackle? Crackle, <laughs> that's the problem. Well, here's your code. You go, you put in Cracker Cracker. Then you just say, pa pa!" and wait for the deep web screen to show up. No, it's just put in Crackle.com. I think it's all there. It's its, it's, its own podcast, uh, how that clusterfuck happened and, uh, <laughs> and how many gr- great, brilliant people uh, we all got to work with and came out of that show, Louis C.K., Raw. Uh, let's see. Of course, Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell, the two Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Oh my God, I didn't know that show existed, and I all I want to do is watch that. I watched you guys like watching the trailer from Home Improvement and like the little boy about to die into you guys chopping off each other's heads and dancing around. And I was like, this is amazing.
4: That was a Prince Prince Charles thing about I think Henry the Eighth. I am, and he chopped the heads off. <laughs> I know. We were just. When I went on Letterman to promote it, we intentionally were trying to make fun of or have fun with the 1950s, like the Chevrolet Jackie Gleason Hour. So we intentionally made a deal with Taco Bell. And so when I said to Letterman, it's the Taco Bell Dana Carvey show, he goes, (laughs) really? Because we didn't get paid. We just thought it was funny. And eventually the sponsors all left the show. And then it was the Empire Szechuan Dana Carvey show or Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey show.
1: That one was my favorite, but I also love Taco Bell. So I have to know, do you like Taco Bell or like, is there bad blood?
4: No, not at all. I I like Taco Taco, uh, Taco Bell. I actually, whoops, I'm doing an Asian accent. Am I canceled? (laughs) You're canceled. Thanks for You're telling done. me, Kesha. I love you. <laughs> at least I know where I am in the world.
1: <laughs> Nobody knows anymore. It's okay.
4: We'll connect with you. I'm going to make sure you get either the Blu-ray season or I'll connect you somehow to watch those episodes. Okay. When I'm on your podcast next year, we can go over it.
1: Okay. Well, and for anybody listening, you go to Crackle and you pop, pop, pop at the
4: computer? Dana Carvey Show. Dana Carvey Show. Crackle.com. <laughs> it's a Sony... Um, live streaming site, or it's an original content site that my friend named up in San Francisco. It was called Grouper. He came up with Crackle.
1: I don't know which one I prefer.
4: Um, I don't know. There's so many. There's 396 live streaming sites looking for content. There's 875 thousand podcasts looking for an audience. Oh, but right shit. now it's just you and me, and so
1: because you have a podcast too.
4: Well, we're in beta. I'm trying to figure out. My original idea was to have it based around people's experience with paranormal, but then I that's a joke. <laughs> 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 I go, drat you. No, we're just we're playing around and getting stuff together. I, I don't know. I I really enjoy it and I'm doing it with my sons and my the woman who cuts my hair, you can blame her for this.
1: Oh, it looks fabulous.
4: This is pandemic hair. I haven't gotten, it's, I'm doing fine. I'm hanging in there, you know. You look like you have David Spade hair. It's a little bit back. It's, yeah, I've, I have dinner with David Spade like three days a week now. <laughs> we're, we're really good friends. And we had that, he dropped by our uh, dinner at Koi. I was there recently.
1: Yes, that was, okay. So for everybody listening, um, I think, are we friends I think we're friends.
4: I would say we're friends, especially the way we became friends is so interesting. Um, should we talk about that? <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so out of the blue. But I, all I know from my side very quickly, I was on the Mark Marin podcast, and I talked a little bit about how fame can be toxic. Um, not that revolutionary, but I think I said the idea that you become an idea more than a person just how it's just a tilted way to go through life you're not famous and then suddenly you're famous and then it tilts everything so then you emailed me and i'd heard of you but i'm in a different age bracket and you said hi i'm a pop star or something in a very funny
1: (laughs) way i did not say
4: (laughs) that (laughs) i think you said it in a cheeky way like i may you may or may not have heard of me so that it was a very honest pure uh relationship just talking about and then I looked up your stuff and saw all your brilliance and songs and then I go wow she's really big I should have been nervous talking to her but we were just texting a lot for that year year and a half and then we had we we met up and we had sort of a crazy night kind of it was so fun it was fun did <laughs> I end up driving your car <laughs> yeah yes you did I didn't think uh, when we were meeting you for dinner, I'll probably drive her car tonight. Because
1: really? I don't drink and drive to all my fans out there. I really don't.
4: I was not going to let you.
1: Yeah. And so you drove my car.
4: So I drove your car and then you Ubered and it was all safe and cool. And I had a friend there and you had a, um, your high school, really long-term friend.
1: Yeah. That was so much fun.
4: It was fun. We laughed. But we yeah, did have I some. I consider life. you a friend. I can say, I feel you're you're sort of raw and authentic. And so I feel you're easy to get to know. Unless there's a crazy other weird <laughs> person.
1: Well, let me tell you my side
4: of the story. Yeah, now we hear your side.
1: Your side. <laughs> okay. So here's the creepy part. So I grew up watching well, I saw Wayne's World at like some very impressionable moment in my life where it was just so important. And I become fixated on one piece of like like one record. Like I'll have like a Neil Young like year. Mm -hmm. Like I get obsessive. Like I just will watch the same thing over and over and over. So I got obsessive with Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. And that's what introduced me to Alice Cooper, who I ended up doing a song with. And it was just this like very influential thing in my life that brings me happiness. So I'll put on Wayne's World when something like tragic is happening, like the world ending this year. I don't I can't tell you how many times I've watched Wayne's World. So I'm really excited about the like the Dana Carvey show. I didn't even know it existed.
4: That's so nice. That makes me so happy. I, I Oh,
1: it's about to get creepy. Don't worry. So, then,
4: yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: then creep it up. <laughs> so I just am kind of a creep. And I was like, and then I heard you on Mark Marin, and you were being so open and vulnerable about your life. And I was like, oh my gosh, not only are you Garth, like the garth that lives in my heart that introduced me to alice cooper who's now like my father figure but you're also like we have some parallels and like weird crazy people around us and Mm -hmm. just i was like oh so like you were kind of on this like major network and then you did this kind of punk rock thing and you did your own thing and it was really fucking cool but not everybody got it yeah and so I basically tricked you into being my friend. And now we're sitting here and I have pretended to create a podcast because I've gotten you here to pitch you Wayne's World 3 starring me.
4: That's brilliant. Yes. And you know what? That's right. You play Garth's uh, daughter. Yes. You you have the glasses. You already have the blonde hair. I mean, that's for Halloween. It's always the long hair... With blonde hair, she plays Garth, and then the other girl. So you are—you would be a perfect Garth, but
1: I am Garth. Look at my pants. I'm Garth.
4: Well, let's just just for a second. I remember Kristen Wig asking me, who's another brilliant performer. I love her, Um Kristen Wig. Going, why does he? Why does he do this? And it's it's deceptively hard to do in a way that's not too much. So you she don't totally the show teeth the teeth.
1: How do you do it?
4: You just want to first. Kind of think like you got a secret. You don't want to show too much of the teeth till a little bit later.
1: I can't really. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm really bad at impressions.
4: No, that's all right. You can use your own voice. <laughs>
1: no, I want to no. know. I want to I do birth well, because it's off of your brother, Brad, and I'm dating a Brad.
4: Oh, that's my Brad. So that's your Brad. Well, Brad, and I talk to him at least once a week. I have three older brothers, and he does. He did, he does really do this kind of rhythm and he says really amazing things. Like I did a bike ride. I did 200 miles today and I always love that rhythm. So whenever I hit it in Wayne's world, it makes me happy too. It makes my heart happy because Garth is so loyal, so real, um, and um, he, he and Wayne I always say that they were so-called the two with the least in the town. I mean, they drive an AMC Pacer and they live with their parents, but they were having more fun than anybody. So Wayne's World means fun, right? And light yeah. and love. So
1: Oh my, I love that. And that's kind of what TikTok was. It was really dumb, but it was like fun. And like, so I feel like I felt some sort. I think what I'm trying to say is Wayne's World influenced... TikTok, which is my
4: biggest. I see because there's a joy, joyousness to it. And um, I was I watched something recently or someone sent me a thing about George Thurgood talking about the Beatles. And to him, when he saw them first come on, it was happiness and joy and fun because John F. Kennedy, our president, just got shot. The country was in a funk, kind of like now. And then here they come and they were just aliens at that time. So. So I get that. It's cool. Yeah, you're making me really happy. I uh, I ran into some other young performers who said I influenced them, and I have to take take it on and just accept it in a way. And and it'll happen to you. You'll meet someone who's like, I got into music because of TikTok, and you'll be like, really? I, you're being <laughs> humble. You go, <laughs> but you'll be like, it's flattering, right? So
1: it's so flattering. But I also, from your side, I wonder if you're like sick of the Wayne's world people coming up to you and saying like, no, or party on or any of those things.
4: Nothing, nothing. I, the rhythms of it. If someone goes, if I got to spew, I'm going to spew in this, anything that's rhythmic They (laughs) remember, or I think that I was going to do what's new pussycat by Tom Jones for when Garth goes crazy and wants to do the love dance to his dream girl.
1: Oh my God. When you do
4: (laughs) that was all, all worked out. And because Steve Martin was doing a movie where he was using what's new Pussycat," my backup was Foxy lady by Hendrix, And so, and Penelope Spheres did a good thing. I was facing the jukebox and, you know, and then I'm just completely shaking like this. And then when I come around, it's like, dun, 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 you know, and it's so corny, but so sweet. So I never get tired of people really sincerely like, like, The Dana Carvey Show has a sketch that Stephen Colbert and I did called Skinheads from Maine. So we were guys (laughs) like Petridge Farm type guys. Well, I don't know about that, you know, and you could never do it now. But I have people come up to me and go, our friends, we every about every two weeks, we mention Skinheads from Maine. It's so right, it's wrong. But it was me and Stephen Colbert. It's in that box set you're going to get. Oh, I'm so excited.
1: Wait, there was something else that I really loved. Oh, the yelling. Nazis,
4: oh, yeah, that was with uh Steve Carell. Brought that in, he had he's got such a barrel chest, and, he, and I would just dig deep. But it was Germans who say nice things, you know, it was a pleasure babysitting Kevin. You know, I didn't want to blow out your sound, guys, but um, I, I moved the mic away, you know, this yogurt is delicious, you know, whatever it is, but yeah, he was amazing, so that was fun to do. How do you not
1: start laughing? Do you bite the inside of your face?
4: Um, I laugh inside. You know, when I first got on SNL, we were told not to break in the scene because Lorne Michaels thought it's, it's so very much, it's like fucking Carol Burnett, which was this other brilliant show in the sixties, but they would break a lot famously during the sketch. And it was hilarious, but, we were told not to break or we get fired basically. Oh, shit. So I trained myself not to break. But no- What happened with Jimmy uh, Fallon? He started, I mean, I think Adam Sandler kind of started the idea of sort of breaking a little bit. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Jimmy Fallon came in and said, <laughs> so uh, then it was fine and now they break and Lauren's fine. Lauren is like, um, he wrote the constitution of SNL, but he's adapted for the times but yeah that gives me makes me so happy and um I um I realized that the other night when these young people were really sincerely trying to tell me that and it took me a while to kind of own it in a way because you'd be in sort of really no come on I'm not my idols like if I had met Peter Sellers or something I would have been unable to talk or Andy Kaufman (laughs) you know
1: I was gonna ask you who your favorite is are those your favorites
4: Mm, uh Hmm. You know, I don't, God, there's just too many. I, I do think that um, Steve Martin, when he uh, came out um, so big in his stand up, there were no real jokes. It was just playing this character in these ridiculous rhythms, but he was a big influence, I think, earlier than that. Some of the basic impressionists, I mean, I love people who do voices. I mean, I just think they're exciting. Rich Little and Frank Gorshman. And then later on, I think that Rob Williams, I was like, I loved all his spontaneity and stuff like that. He was speedier than I could ever be, but he was kind of an influence. And, uh, you know, Monty Python, their rhythms in those movies, actually a lot of it, I don't know. I mean, what about you, Where Where is your, who is musically?
1: Oh, I was going to say you're my favorite. Musically? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, right. I do think you're an excellent drummer and- I actually, I was watching your, I sound like a stalker, but that is kind of why you're on my podcast is because I, I, I made you be my friend. I feel like it's one of my great talents actually is making people be my friends.
4: Well, I would say that because uh, we connected on an artistic frequency first, then me doing something artistically with a small a, you watching it, being affected by it, you becoming a, uh, pop star rock star whatever you want to call it and you're like hey i'm famous i can call up another famous person or email them and they'll probably answer you know but
1: isn't that weird that it's just i'm just stalking people but because i'm also like have had successful songs that it's like totally fine and normal
4: well alice cooper is a great uh mentor to have he just exudes uh just likability and positivity you know I mean, he's the best. He's just like a guy you want to hang out with.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know? And now I'm like best friends with his daughter. It's like a whole thing. He fully is like, it's your dad.
4: So I think that's cool. I mean, when I first had someone come up for an autograph, my wife was next to me and she goes, wow, you're famous now. And, <laughs> and it really we just viscerally understood that everyone was unless you're Prince Harry or something not famous, then became famous. And it's such a surreal thing. I I shared a masseuse in Malibu with Bob. She would also massage Bob Dylan. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Did she spill secrets about Bob Dylan? You're talking about Neil Young and Bob Dylan. I want to know everything.
4: Well, Bob Dylan um, told her, and I'll paraphrase, but basically that he'd never caught up with his fame. He just never, it was so big and so explosive. You can, it's like a, a, a friend. It's like a thing that's outside of you. Because then he's just Bob, you know, and uh, Neil Young is just really funny. <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor. And one night in New York, uh, having dinner, it's was like eight of us at a table. And Phil Hartman, my late great friend, which I, have a, I do have dreams about, I was going to tell you about.
1: Oh, uh, yes. We haven't got to any of the actually creepy stuff, but keep yeah. talking about Bob Dylan.
4: And <laughs> well, the is, share Neil Young, that night, we, um, Phil Hartman and I said, let's make Neil Young die with laughter let's let's just let's just slay him you know and so we did every impression every character and we got him just bent over helpless because he gave us so much joy um that's my only connection to bob dylan other than loving his his later stuff it's soon after midnight and i got a date with the fairy queen I mean, he's, well, he's rougher now, but I think his latest stuff is brilliant. And I love his art. My wife and I have gotten really into art. We go to museums and art galleries around the world pre-COVID. And we love Bob Dylan's art too. And um, I paint a little bit. <laughs> you paint? Yeah, I want to be a living cliche. Comedian in his 60s. He's got to have a therapist. Check. Does he paint? Double Check.
1: And you have the uh, amazing network television show that I was completely unaware of until last night. That looks like the funniest shit I've ever seen.
5: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening.
1: When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine
5: Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
6: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to
2: hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this.
3: you have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at Edu. It's
4: uh, it's really cool. It's got a great, great sensibility Frequency to it that's pretty consistent, and uh, there's some great stuff that um, Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert did on that show. And when I, when I see them, they're very great. They're like, "Oh, you really, you really helped me make it," you know. And I go, "Really?" But you got on Jon Stewart's show. They go, "No, no, no, we really needed that break because they're both in their early 30s. They've been passed over by SNL, which can happen if an audition goes wrong, even though they're both fantastic." And that show just gave them all this energy and creativity. And then they had tapes. They do this bit where they, uh, they are waiters who get nauseated. So there's the bus. Oh, you <laughs> saw that one? Yeah. So that <laughs> the Colbert told me that's what got him uh, the daily show with Jon Stewart. Anyway,
1: it seems like it was a place where you just gathered the people that you liked the most and truly gave them so much support and artistic freedom. And like, gave them this platform it just was really i was like oh he's such like a sweetheart and so dedicated to just like really saying like fuck the man which i appreciate
4: also and well first of all the two steves it they were so likable as people and then when i started rehearsing with them um i thought wow i'm rusty these guys are really good you know and then i just wanted to tell them that and when the show got canceled I just told them, I I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but you guys have all the talent and all the likability, because I think, or whatever you call that, to go as far as you want to go. And then they both did. (laughs) So it's kind of cool.
1: Did you know you were on to like something?
4: With them, you mean, or the show?
1: (laughs) I mean, kind of both. I guess, did you know that you were getting canceled coming at all? Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah because we had banked a sketch. We were in New York. We banked a sketch where Bill Clinton, Louis CK's idea, Bill Clinton opens his coat. Bill Clinton had puppies and he was breastfeeding them. Like I'm going to breastfeed the country and this is what we do. And I care about these puppies so much. And it was right after home improvement and they saw the teats and they said, we can't show so much of them. So then we went for close. Anyway, it's a nightmare. So they, they, they showed us the metrics even back then. Here's our ratings. We were at 16 million when his shirt opened, Bill Clinton with the teats and the puppies started sucking. And then it went down to like 3 million in 90 seconds. So we, we shed it about 85%. I'll, I'll tell you, we shed about 85% of the audience, you know, at that time. in about a minute and a half, once those teats came out and those puppies started sucking, we just lost a lot of that audience. Because those little kids thought they were going to see some kind of fun cartoon show. And they saw teats on a president. And that lost us a lot of people.
1: <laughs> you know what? But men are allowed to show their nipples, which is the craziest thing because yes. you actually put a nipple into doing what a nipple's supposed to do. And everybody like screams and runs and millions and millions of people disappear. <laughs> I,
4: I love that we're, we're a half hour in and we're dissecting nipples. I mean, it's exactly where I thought this conversation. I'd said to my wife, <laughs> I said, within 30 minutes we'll be dissecting male nipples and the usefulness or not useful. And she goes, that's crazy. And guess who won a (laughs) bet? But uh, it it was fun and I, um, you know, you kind of, I tried to be commercial, but it made me so miserable. And I've done a lot of things. Uh, I did a few things that I just didn't feel good about. So I was Robert Smigel and I, we just wanted to do the show we wanted to do. And ABC said, do what you want. I said, really prime time? Yeah, go ahead and go for it, you know. And then ABC got bought by Disney. But it's great the show worked. It launched some careers. And then people can watch it forever. So that's awesome. See how positive I am.
1: Yeah, yours is so well adjusted. Is that all that therapy?
4: I did. I, I went to therapy for the last five years. Yeah, it helped me a lot.
1: That's good. Me too. I've been in therapy since I can remember. Like fully not. I think everyone should do therapy think it should just be part of like life. It makes people so much lovelier.
4: Well, the way I, uh, someone put it somewhere, I read it somewhere is that we're all cans of beans and we need someone else to read the label. So, you know, you could read my label better. And I could maybe read your label, but my stuff was kind of classic, um, people pleasing, passive aggressive, um, you know, I'm a nice guy, that kind of stuff. And also just sometimes doing stuff I didn't really want to do either to please people, stuff like that. It's a very classic structure. And the therapist said, I said, do you meet me a lot? She goes, I meet you all the time. I don't meet the narcissist. They never come in because they're happy. You know, in movies where the bad guys are always very happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Bond, I guess you are you know, because they're just narcissists, they don't, they're not capable of empathy and it's a sort of joyous place to be. But if you're on the empathetic structure, frequency, I'll say again, it's a good place for creating art, uh, being funny or musical, uh, but living inside that empathy, uh, feeling a lot, you seem like someone who feels a lot. Oh my God. That that's, makes life, that's, you know. So, was that? what was your number one takeaway after two, three years? About yourself.
1: Uh, Oh, my God. I think it was like that I was making a list, actually. And I was when I was watching this. That's why I keep talking about the Dana Garvey show. It's because I was like it was making me realize there are rules that I want to live by artistically. And whenever I compromise those to people, please, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I end up not being as proud of my art. And even if it does really super well. hmm. I don't even like, I'm like, that's not a pure reflection of who I am. So it like really reminded me to like stick to your guns of like who you really are and be honest and just don't ever forget like where you came from. And I come from like loving punk rock and funny shit. And I just can't be somebody I'm not like, I'm supposed to be this like, thing and I'm just not that thing.
4: Well, what's become in Vogue and I'm not, it, it, I'm completely agnostic about it. It depends on the person, but to be a businessman artist has become in Vogue. You're a global brand, you're marketing, you need a certain amount of work in, uh, out in the marketplace on some kind of consistent basis. So to think of yourself as a business and as a global brand, especially with, uh, with musicians, you really travel all over the world that if you, if that's a natural fit for someone's personality, God bless them. I mean, I know many comedians who can think of themselves that way as a product that they need to be consistent with their brand and market. It sounds so awful, but um, whenever I found myself in that area, I was just so miserable because this may sound half but Basically, all I was trying to do the whole time was people who touched me either made me laugh in the 60s. I was just in awe of comedians. I was just like they're magic people. And even the rhythms that I'll do in my stand up, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, all that stuff. My family, we were into movies. I mean, if a movie was on like The Great Escape or <laughs> in 2001, watch it five, six times. And so all I wanted to do was influence people that way. Give them the feeling I had, like pass it, pass it along. Yeah. And then yeah. money and fame came in, you know, like, well, you need money. And well, I, I guess I should get, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I get a corporate date for a hundred thousand. And you know, how do I say to my sibling, you know, Dana doesn't want to fly to Chicago. You know, so you get, <laughs> you're sort of like, because all this money's coming at you and he doesn't want to, he wants to take a break and you, and you just start getting so tricked out. Like, well, if I do that gig, I can give it to this charity or this charity. And then you get down that rabbit hole and even well-intended normal uh, people who manage you and are your agents. They just, they're coming from such a different place. You know,
1: when you can't, when you're making the art, I'm currently making a new record and I just have to like, be exactly who I am. And I can't take into consideration what anybody else is going to think. Like if everybody else thinks it absolutely sucks, I'll be fine. If I know I like, I like it and I'm proud of it. In watching the Dana Carvey show, I was realizing that while making my new art that I cannot compromise who I am for anybody else or to like to cater to be quote unquote bigger or to cater to like have more fans or have a number one record. Like to me, that doesn't equate success to me. Success is almost like getting kicked off the air. To me, that's the coolest thing you could have done and you did it. And I was a little younger and a little bit more of a jackass, but I had a brand offer me a lot of money, like a lot of money to make some footwear. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll do that. So I'm in Brazil. My friend is telling me how, if you drink your own pee, it can be good for you. And (laughs) I just was like, why not? I'm going to just, I'm going to drink my own pee because I want to taste it. I mean, if it's not going to, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So I drink my pee.
4: Okay. And you.
1: This goes on my TV show and the company no longer wants to make the shoes with me. Perfect. And I am so, cause it's a Christian company.
4: Hmm. Okay.
1: And I was like, you know what? I'm so happy. I drank my pee.
4: No, I love that. That's in your book. That's like, I drank my own pee and that's like a chapter.
1: And I lost out on like a million dollars.
4: But what do you net?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. All I know is everyone's very upset with me.
4: <laughs> After the Dana Carvey show was canceled, I always had my stand up and stuff so I could go make money. Um, and I was okay. But at one point I was offered, okay, they're going to do Hollywood Squares. Wow. Hollywood Squares. My friend who's from Mississippi said, Dinah, that's where careers go to die. (laughs) So I said, so they go, well, it's, so I got the kids and because of my childhood, you know, I wanted to be dad, you know, and be part of the family. So I thought they go, it's 39 days of taping in LA. And in those, this was 20 some year, 22 years ago, they go, we'll give you 10 million a year. So it ended up going five years. So they offered me the center square. They kept pursuing me. Whoopi Goldberg finally took it. And got the 50 million and it's sort of no one even remembers it, you know? Yeah, I know. It's hard. That was for me. It's like 50 million. uh, You know, what am I doing? I I know so many people are working nine to five and it's just the, the weird part of having success and being wanting to do great work. Just just have, you know, or authentic work to yourself. And then having these monetary things come at you, it is just a very strange, I dare anyone not to feel conflicted by it, you know? But I did turn down that. I turned down Taco Bell for 10 million. That was right as I came off SNL.
1: Oh, see, I would love to, any Taco Bell representatives out there listening, I am an avid fan of Taco Bell, but I do drink my pee,
4: so. You drink your pee and you eat your Taco Bell. And I love Taco Bell. I don't know. I'm just going to write just cliff notes because I might do it's for Esquire magazine, my podcast with Kesha. It's just it's not going to be any of this, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I usually people drink their pee when they're lost in a forest.
1: I was in a car in Brazil. It was it was actually like really warm which was gross. I like, don't know why I didn't expect it to be warm. And I think that's the part that grossed me out. Cause just any beverage that's like room temp.
4: Yeah. Well on the Dana Carvey show, (laughs) I actually did a commercial commercial break. I had a Mountain Dew. And I poured it into it and I said, what does this remind you of? You know, so I think we lost the sponsor after that. So I basically <laughs> talked about pee, you drank pee and we lost $2 million. <laughs> Listen,
1: But you have to be true to yourself because I think that that's what you will look back. I mean, do you look back in fondness on how punk rock that was?
4: Yeah, I do.
1: Okay. So same.
4: The interesting part, and this is the advantage you'll have throughout your life and career, is that if you're, your boat is floated and you care so much about liking your work where you hear it and go, holy shit, I love this. That won't leave you. Like, you know, I was in that sort of youthful heyday Rolling Stone magazine period. But even later on, if I draw something or make up a song I put on my iPhone, I'm kind of floated in the same way. And if I share it with a couple of friends, it's a little weird. I only discovered that in the last couple of years that the fame part wasn't what got me going, you know? So anyway, it'll never
1: making the good art.
4: You could be in Nashville at 85 with your guitar and just singing and you'll just have people go crazy. But we do live in this other age besides the branding, marketing of authenticity. And so people, if they feel that from a, a performer that they are being authentic, they like that almost more than the real show. Like the way we're talking now is just us hanging out. <laughs> so I mean that I I would love to see Neil Young and Bob Dylan having this conversation.
1: Oh my god. Same.
4: Let's see, are you Same. Neil Young or Bob Dylan in that analogy? I guess I'll be Dylan's a little older. <laughs> you
1: can be <laughs> I don't know. You have to pick. I think they're both like they're both in my like trilogy like the Father Son Holy Spirit.
4: I would say that when they, you know, when I see Neil Young on YouTube doing old man with that acoustic guitar and the guitar licks he's doing, the chord changes, the way it fits with the melody. I kind of go, wow, that's just, that is supernatural. It is. Yeah. I mean, Dylan said he can't write the same style of songs he did in the sixties. He says, I can't, I can't do it anymore, (laughs) you know, but he can write other stuff.
1: I think you, at least for me, I don't know if it's the same with you, but I write whatever I'm going through. So like if I'm going through some really amazing heartbreak or then all those songs are really sad. But if I'm going through like a magical love story, then that's what the songs are going to be about. I can't like pretend to be super in love. If someone just broke my heart, then I, I write like the songs about murder.
4: I know well, that was a cool one.
1: <laughs> Thank
4: you. Praying the body out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. That's about Brad.
4: <laughs> oh, oh, really? And you got yes. back together?
1: <laughs> no, he stayed the whole time. I just was going to, I was planning on his, I was planning his murder. And I tell him all the time, like how I would murder him and, you know, all the different ways I think about murdering him.
4: Well, I'll give you one and then you give me your top one. Like I've always said to my wife, if I was going to murder you, this is how I'd do it. Yeah, tell me. But we're going for a hike. We're on a really high ridge. And I go, look, honey, look, a, a bird. And then I would just go, boom. <laughs> and I would and I would just go, she slipped. I think that they still would look at the dirt marks and stuff, and there may be some, you know, messed out hiker gachiona. But that that would be if I were to do it, that's that would be my try. Well, how would you do it?
1: Oh my god, mine's so much more evil.
4: <laughs> Torturing.
1: <laughs> well, I okay, how do I put this? I would Chop off extremities and turn them into tacos. <laughs> and this is in a fantasy where he cheats on me and I find out. Right. So then he has to eat ball tacos. <laughs> and then I kill him and then I bury him in the backyard.
4: So is this episode going to be the byline will be ball tacos and pee? <laughs>
1: Pro- yeah maybe <laughs> unless you want to bring up anything else.
4: ball tacos is actually a great word package like that's funny what'd you have i had some ball tacos oh, okay yeah well in montana where i'm from they have a thing called the testicle festival and it's buffalo balls that you eat with a little bit of hot sauce i'm digging in
1: but i forgot you were from montana i love montana montana is great like for um murderers I love, we went to Montana on a road trip during quarantine in an RV and it was just the best.
4: It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you just want to be up there. <laughs> I'm from the West mostly, but I've been down, my, I was born in Missoula. Uh, a couple of my brothers, well, my parents met at University of Montana there. My other brother was born in Big Timber. My mom grew up in Great Falls and um, we go up there, Flathead Lake, Whitefish. We have friends that are moving up there. Well, actually relatives, like six of them are all moving to Montana.
1: Would you ever go back there? Like, would you ever move back there?
4: Well, I'm, I'm lucky enough because I, I, I got a couple of dollars in my pocket. <laughs> I, remember. I was having dinner with Alec Baldwin once. He goes, I got a couple of dollars in my pocket. As a way of saying, I can, I'd like to be able to be nomadic a little bit. Like, I'd like to at least have two kind of residences, but they don't have to be fancy. I have one up in Marin County in the forest with redwood trees, and then I'm, oh my god, fun! I know now. My my sort of a privileged prick of first world ding a dong, dang dang.
1: <laughs> That's the house. That's the. Are you having two houses?
4: Uh, I well, I, you know, we were. I don't know. I like I like houses. I like to move. Well, how many houses? Yeah, me too.
1: I just have one, but I was thinking about selling my Trans Am mm-hmm. and buying an RV, so then I could be like nomadic. As well, because I like just always being on the go.
4: I like the idea of an RV trip, and I like being out on the road. I like the highway between Reno and Winnemucca.
1: I love Reno. Yeah. Like, it's so sad.
4: You get sad in Reno?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but like the best, like the best, like Christmas lights in the day kind of sad. There's a lot happening these days.
4: yeah i got that i get pangs of anxiety for uh, arbitrary things um once in a while i'd be like this type of time of year like i was going to junior college and all of a sudden when the daylight saving times come suddenly it just feels like you should get somewhere by like 3 15 you know like what is going on i gotta get somewhere and that would bring me anxiety
1: oh because it gets dark so early
4: well yeah when it initially changes i'm like I feel like I should get home and it's like, it's like one 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 thirty in the afternoon. I have the
1: same thing where I'm like, oh, it's time to be in the house. And it's like, just because it's dark outside. I don't know. It's a know. weird thing that might be natural though. Like when the sun goes down, you're supposed to be sleeping.
4: I think it's all kind of wiring. Who are we? Where are we? Oh, wait.
1: Brad has just given me a note. We would have like 10 minutes. Ask him at least one creepy question. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because this is Kesha and the creepies, Tell me your creepiest. Are you a believer in the supernatural?
4: Um, I'm. Um, yeah, I would say overall, if I had to say is there's something supernatural going on on the planet? Yes.
1: Okay. Do you believe in aliens?
4: Um, I, I, yeah, I believe in aliens. Have they visited us? I God, I hope so. That'd be the greatest thing ever. The whole world would just completely, if aliens came down and there's some guy from the Israeli army, he's a general came out at the bases. And it just, that made me so happy to think that could be true because everybody would let go. I always thought if you took an ISIS guy or a hardcore Republican or a far left Democrat and just put them in space, put them on some kind of Thing at Pluto and they could see the universe, they'd all probably just start crying and hugging each other. So we need aliens so we can just go, okay, everybody don't take this too seriously. aliens have come. Um, my story was something that still resonates resonates with me and basically my wife and I, we're in our 30s um, we go to stay at San Ysidro San Ysidro Ranch. <laughs> Where's that? This is Coca-Cola, by the way. That's up near Santa Barbara. And it's it's 1910 places and Clark Gable was in, who knows, just old-fashioned bungalows. So, we just had dinner in bed at night. And I feel like I'm suddenly feeling this pressure on me, like something's weighted, which I found out later is what a nightmare is. You've talked about that, right? Oh, yeah. The, The horse laying on top of you. So, I felt that pressure for the first time, like, whoa, what the fuck? And then I I totally woke up, went into the bathroom, put water on my face, whatever. And I thought, okay, I was in a waking dream state. That was nothing else. I came back. I felt even to this day as awake as I am now. And it came back, except this time it was more ferocious. And then it started bouncing on me and felt angry. So once it finally released, And this is part of the reason I've been married so long. My wife's, we're in a five-star hotel. She's sound asleep. I go, hi, honey. Uh, We have to leave. (laughs) It's three in the morning. She said, okay. Aw. Aw. I love how women do that second part. Aw. You know, men men might go, aw, but women go, kitty. Aw. It's sweet. That's the woman you want to have when you have erectile dysfunction. (laughs) Aw. There you go. (laughs) There's a joke. Not my best. Um, I've been doing this a lot lately. Ugh. you know, just for stuff. Why? Ugh. anything. Just too many things add up. Uh, the refrigerator broke. We've got to empty all the food out. Ugh. This year is kind of that noise. Just parts of life. So anyway, um, we left that night. I was absolutely shaking with nerves, and we we it was stormy outside, and then we were driving down the 101, and we saw a gigantic animal upside down with its guts spilling out and so the whole that really stayed still stayed with me to this day but then we moved up to northern california and our house was built in 1912 and our son went in one bedroom but then he ended up going the other bedroom with the brother so the first time i had white noise which i didn't know what it was i i heard at fm radio like between channels yeah isn't everyone, why is everyone sleeping? So I went, by the time I got into the bedroom, it was no noise. And then in that room too, because a couple of times I slept in there and I had the experience, same experience in only that room, which I told Dan Aykroyd about. You should get Dan Aykroyd. <gasps> on show. He
1: loves an alien from what I hear. Yes. Like for real though.
4: Oh, he says he met an alien?
1: Oh, I think so. Oh, okay. This is how rumors start. I don't know.
4: He was very interested in this and he said you should have someone sweep that house or go up and that kind of Yeah,
1: thing. like deep Pol- Poltergeist did.
4: And then I, just, you know, I had a d- couple different sightings in that house. Um,
1: well, you can't just blaze over it like that.
4: Um, in bed in the other main bedroom and then coming through the wall was a, a girl like in a white um, dress and she just walked down the middle of the bed. And to me seeing it, it was just like, and I got kind of used to these things. I got the white noise thing a few times. I got the thing holding me down a few times. And after a while, I just, I, they didn't flip me out as much. I didn't feel like I was in any danger.
1: So the thing holding you down traveled with you.
4: Yeah. It would happen so- in San Ysidro Cedar Ranch and then it happened up there in this house built in 1912, this really old house, In this, only in this one room where my son had left that room because <laughs> he would have nightmares. So we don't know if something's going on in that room. That would be a thing to bring kind of a seance type person in.
1: I have like a ghost reader mm-hmm. and I have these little goggles that I got on Amazon. Yeah. And I fancy myself, I fancy myself. One of those people.
4: Really? Wow. Well, can you go through this screen on this zoom and just feel it? It's 400 miles North. <laughs> Let me see what I could do. You need an exorcism of your home. And did you have that? Right. I, yes. Cause you mentioned that on one of the things I saw you doing. Yes. And it,
1: it worked like when the thing was shaking you and like on you, did it seem still aggressive?
4: Um, well after the the third or fourth time I didn't push back, but when I started pushing back the, at the San Ysidro ranch at the hotel, it was like a real vibe. It seemed angry and was kept vibrating on top of me. And remember, this is me after I thought I was in a waking dream state, wide awake. So that's why it just flipped me out, I still to this day. But after that I had it, but not not in an angry way, but it just does press on you. Yeah. You know, it's not fun really.
1: <laughs> I think that you might be in need of an exorcism. Um.
4: Well, what was in your house? Did you ever, what was in there? Just noises or an actual?
1: Um, a heaviness in the house. I heard noises in the house. I thought I heard a voice in the house. Yeah, kind of like that. That's scary. It just made me, you know, it took me from being like so into like what I was doing and my stuff and like what I'm Mm -hmm. so busy with. And then it made me start thinking about like externally and afterlife, like what that means. And it just kind of made my brain go into the universe, like fully out there.
4: Yeah, well, I still have dreams a few times a year. I have different, I have a lot of adventure dreams. I have a lot of very scary dreams. Uh, the re- recent one was in a grass, grassy field, like in Africa, and like a hundred gorillas just look over at me. So then I start sprinting for this house and I got into it and I got into the bathroom, but it wouldn't lock and they all came in. Rah, 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 stuff like that all, all the time. Did they eat you? No, then I guess I woke up. I have dreams where I can fly or I can levitate. I have a lot of dreams um overlooking the ocean and then giant waves are going and everyone's looking down and going, Woo, look at this surf. Wow. And then finally a, a wave hits so hard it's oh, it's going over the bluff we're in. Oh. And I guess just maybe from watching surf movies or something. You can't say San Yasido Ranch without sounding like you've had a couple of cocktails. No, are you drinking? Italian. It's okay. No, this is just Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. I think this, is, yeah, this is daddy's <laughs> juice. Daddy, you don't know me. You never knew me. That's what drunk people always say. You never it's knew. Or you think you know me, but you don't. It's just <laughs> a little bit of daddy's juice. <laughs> hmm.
1: You're reminding me of um Nicholas Cage.
4: I, if I were to send you flowers, where would I send them? That was what he would always say when he sees someone. When we did that goofy movie together, we fell down in snow. We were just drunk in the snow. Oh, what was it called? Trapped in Paradise. And we were trapped in the snow.
1: Was that fun?
4: Well, it was really fun hanging out with Nicolas Cage. He made me laugh really hard. We just, he was, you know, the movie with, uh, Kurt Russell, Tombstone, a Western was out then. And in the movie, he tells Billy Bob Thornton's character to throw down, like pull a gun, you know? And so we, that became code in the movie. If he thought I did good in a scene that day, he'd say, you really threw down.
1: <laughs> you sound so much like him. You're so good at Okay. I have one. Well, no, I have two questions, but I have one real question. And then one stupid question. All right. okay. I can't do, um, impressions. And that's like your, that's your specialty. So I thought I could do a Michael Caine, but turns out I don't, I don't actually think I can. I was wondering if you can teach that.
4: I could maybe teach that. I, that was one that I constantly wanted to learn. Cause I love Michael Caine and I watched Steve Coogan do it. And that, and then I started doing it and I, I have it on my phone. This stuff I'll do on my podcast where it's not very good, but the the key to it is is for, You want to try to talk like Kesha has a head cold, just like you've got a cold it's in you? Right
1: talk like you,
4: you sort of. I'm hold, to... You sort of hold your hold your nose in a way like it's almost like you're doing this. You could actually do that with your head and okay. just talk, talk like that. I uh,
1: think I'm Michael Kane.
4: Just say my name. My name. My name. My, my name. name. My name. My name is. My
1: okay. My okay. Uh, my name is My okay. Yes. Not bad.
4: <laughs> That's it. My name is ma okay. My, my name My cook. My Fuck. My <laughs> name. My name. It's think of it phonetically. My name is Mark My okay. And I don't know. And I don't know. You go higher. I don't know. What we're talking about on this bloody podcast. Uh, <laughs> I uh, don't even. But that, you know, my name is Michael okay. That's not Ma- bad.
1: My name okay. is. No, hold on. I have to start again. <sighs> my name is mark my- <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's so bad.
4: All right, how about Obama? How about Obama? This is a quicker one. Obama. <laughs> okay, go on. Obama. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> That's it! That's all true. That's it. That's it. That's all true. <laughs> My name is Michael Caine. That's no, all true. Uh, s- Michael Caine. I should sample Ma- this. We'll do a rap song. My name is Michael Caine. <laughs> That's not true. My name is Michael Caine. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have one really. Um, I know you asked someone, "What do you think you could live forever?" If I if I died and then woke up that I was gonna live again, I'd start screaming.
1: I'd be so <laughs> bummed.
4: Yeah, I go okay, like, <laughs> really?
1: Like that's I just
4: not, did this. That's not true. Being dead is a highly underrated state of being. Is that like your personal opinion? I don't know. Well, I had <laughs> surgery and they put me out and then I didn't dream or anything. I was just, and then I, they go, it's five hours later. And I'm like, that was, that was, that was okay.
1: Like that was so relaxing.
4: Mm-hmm. Here I can do this for you. Cause it's just so abstract. It's not a very good impression, but it's a matching a celebrity with an idea randomly. Jerry Seinfeld okay. as a serial killer.
1: Oh, that's easy. He doesn't oh. like hugs.
4: I'm going to cut you apart. I'm going to take you apart. Why? Why are you doing this? Because I like to cut people in bed. I like to get down to those limits and do the thing I want to do. So the whole key to that is that lower rhythm he does. I want to go down there and get the things out.
1: <laughs> Wait, you're aware that?
4: I know you have that, that, that thing on the web where he, he saw you wouldn't hug you or something. That's
1: Yes, he doesn't like hugs. So it would make sense he's a serial killer.
4: Well, when I said to Jerry, I said, in your marriage with your wife, do you have shows that you watch together? He says, no. <laughs> I go, do you watch TV with your wife? Why? I was like, OK, <laughs> so it's just Jerry, he's special, he's special.
1: Well, it was like Wayne's World and Seinfeld were what I would put on the airplane when it got bumpy. And then all of a sudden, I don't get a hug. And now it's like PTSD every time I hear the goddamn baseline. <laughs>
4: <laughs> bang! 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 <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> Come on, Newman. What are you doing? I don't believe it. I can't believe we're going to that place. It's a good rhythm. I'm, I don't know why I'm doing that. I could do Jay Leno too. You know, it's great. You know, you do the podcast. and talk about the shows. It's great. You know, you know, he's got good. Mic- I can't
1: do anybody. I can't even do like a. Like a British accent.
4: Do you, uh, Cockney is, is Michael Cade, It's like that. How about um let's see, what are you thinking? You know, a beetle thing. What do you think? What, what, are, you thinking? Thinking? what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I don't know. Just go up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you fancy you fancy her. Do you fancy, you fancy him? her? fancy yeah. her. You fancy her. Yeah.
1: Wait, you were talking about something being up a butt or something with them?
4: Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that was John Lennon talking to Paul McCartney from heaven. You know, what does she, this, is, this uh, Kanye West, what does his wife do? Well, oh, you know, she takes pictures of her bottom. What's so special about her bottom? It was not a normal bottom, it's a bottom <laughs> 2.0. It's like God made a fan and attached a person as an afterthought. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the
4: whole family takes pictures of their bums. That was another one. But yeah, it's just a question, you know, with liver, liver must be very curious because everything sounds like a question. Did you go to the store? Yeah, I went to the store. You don't sound like you're sure. Oh, I just told you I went to the store.
1: <laughs> I think my uncle is from Liverpool. Is oh, he? Oh, very sounds like that. Uh, oh, he's from London. Well, he has teeth now, but when he didn't have teeth.
4: Sounded a lot like that I love all British accents I love the more Upper crust ones It sounded sort of like You know What we're trying to do here Is something that'll be Very special one day And then put it out On some sort of disc Or clouds or something like that. I'm watching the crown I love their accents It's so drippingly uh, So dreadful isn't it?
1: it's, You're so good at them I'm so bad that When I try I just like Dissolve oh, into I think we've got I think we've
4: got My name Is my. My
1: Is
4: Barack Obama. That's
1: not true. That's not true. That's not true. How do you do it? I sound like, I just sound like a muppet. Oh, he
4: was kind of tough to get. Cause there's not a whole lot there. It's like now I'm doing, um, Biden's like, here's the deal. Come on, folks. Let's get real. Here's the deal. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you just to uh, learn somebody new is really fun, you know, but he's, he's kind of a difficult one anyway.
1: Anyways. Yeah. Thanks for being on here. Um, would you like to selflessly promote, yourself before you leave
4: (laughs) look for the Dana Carvey podcast very soon and um, I've given I've been doing some recordings and it'll launch in a couple weeks and um, we're just we're renegades again we don't we don't we don't have a corporate partner (laughs) it's like it's like because of the ABC show no we're just kind of doing it out there Um, I've doing I've sent some sneak peeks to uh, Anthony Fauci you know and he left a message wait
1: you sent a sneak, a sneak of Fauci? Audio to
4: Fauci, and he left a message. Dana Carvey, this, this thing is a piece of shit. I can't, I thought COVID was bad. <laughs> you are the king of all shit shows. This is Dr. Anthony Fauci. I go, geez, that's a tough review. <laughs> Couldn't believe he said that.
1: That sounds really good. Everyone should listen to that.
4: Yeah. I'll be doing comedy. I don't know. It's for me, I have a lot of tidbit little things that I do all the time and they're not really fully formed. And so they're just fragments of, I have thousands of them. So I love to just play with them um, in, in an audio sense. I enjoy it, you know, so.
1: Okay. Well, think about Wayne's World Three.
4: I think you and Wayne's World Three, we can do that. We can do that, and then your whole thing is the quest, and you you find your your dad, or maybe I'll play your grandfather, Garth will be in a <laughs> he'll be in a hut on a beach, you know, and you'd be like knock knock, <laughs> come in. Oh yeah, my name's Garth. My hair's kind of white, and I got a prostate problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect place to end.
4: Yeah, and sometimes sometimes Wayne tells me to drink my own urine.
1: Good night. Good night. Bye. (laughs) Keep it creepy. Keep on creeping.
4: Keep on creeping on. This is Dana Carvey for Kesha. Please keep on. (laughs) Creeping on.